As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. Hello and welcome back to another installment of the Wide Ride Podcast. I'm your host, Miami Hurricanes beat writer Manny Navarro. It is Thursday, August 4th, about 8.30 p.m., and the Canes are on the verge of opening fall camp under Mario Cristobal. New era for Miami Hurricanes football. A lot of excitement. A lot going on in the world of recruiting, too. Miami may end up picking their uh, first uh, commitment or their next commitment um, here in the next couple of weeks. Um Tomorrow with Connor Louie, three-star offensive lineman out of Georgia. Um, that's what's expected to happen. I'll have um, um, Andrew Ferrelli of the South Florida Express on later in this podcast to talk about uh, recruiting and what's kind of happening with Miami and Jaden Bonsu and the receiver position. They're still trying to find some outside receivers, so a lot going on with recruiting, but Right now, yeah, good, good decision. Good decision to put me on first and, and push Ferelli back because I don't want to follow that guy. Right now, make everybody, <laughs> make everybody make everybody suffer through me to get to Ferelli. Well, you're the main event, brother. Anytime you come on with me, you get uh, top billing because you have been with it uh, with me here through and through. And I don't know if you've noticed, but I've been putting up the videos now on YouTube. I know that we had a couple of debut episodes back in the spring. I kind of stopped putting them up because I was like, I'll wait till the season. I want to have a little bit more excitement generating uh, generated for, for people to see us, uh, how sexy we look on YouTube. And, and so now this is going to be your return to YouTube. We've put the last couple of clips that I've done, including my interview with Ferelli from earlier this morning um, on there. So you ready? You know, you look like you're in better shape for YouTube now, by the way, after this summer. Well, yeah, I've lost some weight, but still at the same time, I, I was not prepared for the camera. So I have not shaven in, a, in about a week. <clears throat> I've been doing the, the bear look, doing trying to look rugged, uh, see if that, that would help my wife find me more attractive. But it has not worked. Right. Um, what, you just what, had the what, anniversary. I would have figured you would have scored then. Yeah, yeah. I mean, hey, listen, every every dog has a day, right? Um, <laughs> every squirrel finds a nut every once in a while. You don't blind me. But uh, yeah, I, I'm not ready for YouTube right now, but okay. it is what it is. As a matter of fact, you know what? I'm going to pause it right now and, and, and make myself more Canes YouTube appropriate. I'll be right back. All right, you go ahead and do that. I will continue talking about the Canes as Carlos slips off air so that he can make himself look a little bit better. I just came from a uh, 
a haircut actually uh, with Kane's barber, Steven Rivera, the guy who has been cutting uh, the hair of many NFL players. Uh, I mean, all kinds of players, Deion Sanders, uh, Tyreek Hill, the new Dolphins receiver who just came into town, uh, Aaron Hernandez, the infamous Aaron Hernandez uh, of the Florida Gators and uh, New England Patriots, the late Aaron uh, Hernandez. Um, I mean, Colin Kaepernick, I, I, I was blown away by his wall of fame inside of a Mercedes van, a custom Mercedes van bought for him by Teddy Bridgewater, former Miami Northwestern quarterback who uh, slipped out of the clutches of Randy Shannon, the University of Miami, several years ago. Uh, this custom uh, Mercedes van, sprint van, as he calls it, is all decked out and he's got a, a you know, a, a beautiful chair in there. I got invited to go. Uh, and by the way, welcome back, Carlos. You look fabulous now. This is thank you. Thank you. I have to throw on the shades, uh, even though it's 830 at night and I'm in my house and throw on the, the crib hat. You look so much better. I will tell you, I was just telling everybody about how good I look. I don't know if you saw the beard. It's got the nice trim. I was talking yeah, about. I, I told you, man, that, that, that R. Kelly shape up really, really suits you. Yeah, I'm ready for camp. Um, uh, Jalen Phillips uh, and, and uh, you know, Stephen Rivera, Kane's barber, who, who, by the way, he also has a contract with the Dolphins. He's the, the Dolphins official barber. He's got his own little barber shop inside the new Dolphins facility. Oh, um, of course. My and, man's moving up. Yeah, I, I was just telling the audience how, you know, I was the first sports writer to sit in the chair in his van, bought for him by Teddy Bridgewater, by the way. What what an honor. Tremendous honor. And you look much better than me, because right now I probably I look like a guy who uh, who got eliminated in the first round of the World Series of Poker. <laughs> you absolutely do, brother. But I had a I had a good time and I'm just teasing that conversation. Uh, with Steven Rivera, um, because I will have that on the next podcast, by the way. I will have a long uh, conversation. You'll hear Steven uh, using the Clippers uh, against my head and trying to make me look this good. Um, you know, and and I, I just super great guy, super great story. As I mentioned, Aaron Hernandez, Colin Kaepernick, Deion Sanders. I mean, so many infamous and famous NFL players have been in that chair and and now I'm the first sports writer to get to sit in there and I'll have a feature uh, in the athletic about him uh, here down the road. I was, um, was going to make an Aaron Hernandez joke, but we'll keep it moving. We will keep it moving. Um, anyway, start at camp. And I brought you on to talk about that. I, I was just teasing all the other goodies um, here coming on the wide right pod, um, which, by the way, I had somebody ask me today. I can't find the wide right pod uh, on the YouTube channel. It is on Spotify. If you're if you're watching this on YouTube and you're saying Manny Navarro has a podcast, I had no idea. Uh, it's on Spotify. It, it's on uh, Apple Podcasts. It's everywhere. Just look up Wide Right Podcast, or you can just keep watching us here on YouTube. That's fine as well. Just be a uh, you know if you can, if you can do at me your this own peril. Favor. Watch us here on YouTube. Yes, at your own peril. Watch us. But if you can, please sign up for the athletic that supports me. All the uh, subscriptions that I sell uh, keep me employed by the athletic. Uh, and it's, and it's relatively cheap. Carlos is the only one who, who only has to overpay everybody else. gets. Yeah, a I'm, discount. Like, I'm like the only subscriber that play that pays full price year in a year. Right. So you can get a great deal uh, on the athletic football season starting. I'm going to be at camp tomorrow. I'll have reports on from camp. I'll have uh, more videos, interviews for you. We just came off of media day. I mean, there's a ton of content uh, to share, um, but but Carlos, let's get let's get to the media. Yeah, and let me let me help you plug the athletic. Uh, I, I just read a fantastic story the other day. I know it's not a brand new one, but it was really okay. great by Bruce Feldman on coaching his kids' youth football team, which was great. Yes, that was a great story. Bruce does a great job. So many great writers. 
Um, so you can sign up at theathletic.com. Just make sure you click on one of my stories, not Bruce's. Bruce has enough subscribers. Subscribe him. Help yeah, me I mean, out. like Bruce, you're you're the main course. Bruce can be the aperitif, if you will. Right. He's fantastic, though. Um, let's talk about camp. Media day just happened. Um, and we're going to get a chance to talk to the same people tomorrow that we have for multiple weeks. The, the same guys who went to ACC media days, Tyler Van Dyke, uh, Will Mallory, Jafari Harvey. Uh, Mario Cristobal, but we will get Aaron Feld tomorrow. He's scheduled to speak to us, the Miami strength coach. Um, <clears throat> going to media now, day. Are you going to be there in person? I will be there in person. I will be there. Are you allowed now, early in the morning? Are you allowed to touch Feld's mustache? I, I doubt it. I highly doubt it. But if I can, I'll sneak a. I'll, I'll, yeah. I'll do. Maybe I have to videotape myself to prove it, right? Or at least take a picture, like tweaking it at the end. Right. By the way, we're going to get to camp. Okay, but we have to tell the story. You had a mystery box arrive at your house. Oh, we're going to do this. Okay, we're, we're um. going to do this because this is this is comedy. And you have we have to have comedy on the show. Right. Please yeah. explain the situation. So um, for those of you who don't know me, I'm, I can be rather lazy in, in certain aspects of my life. So this is one of those aspects. Uh, I had a package delivered to my house. Get your mind out of the gutter. It was an Amazon package. Although when you hear the rest of the story, Package baby related. So anyway, um, got it delivered to the house, brought it inside, didn't even look at it because I assumed it was something my wife ordered that obviously we don't need. But um, I looked at the label a couple of days later and it was for a neighbor, literally my next door neighbor. Um, I was going to take it to the neighbor's house and leave it on the front doorstep. Yeah. But, you know, I got busy, got lazy, forgot about it. Remembered when I finally saw it yesterday had been three weeks since it got delivered. At this point, you know, there's no point in returning the box, right? There, this guy, he probably got a replacement. He told Amazon he lost the package, never got delivered, whatever the case may be. They probably sent him out a new one. So I decided, let me open it up, see what, what this guy's ordering. Because I need Naturally. to know my neighbors. I need to know what's going on in my neighborhood. Uh, I, I'm the unofficial president of the neighborhood watch. I'm the only one that stands outside and looks around the, the entire block at night, mostly with a cigar in my hand. But it's not to smoke a cigar. It's really to protect my neighborhood. Anyway, uh, I open the box. And it's a, it's a you know, nondescript black box with some name on it, uh, some company. Don't know what it is. Maybe I'm thinking, hey, maybe some. some you want me to tell you what it says? I mean, I, some, I could. Yeah, know. go ahead. So what, what did it say on the, on the label? The, the box said um, Paliquith bondage set. User well, that was, the, that was the sticker on the box. Right. Uh, the, the top of the box just said that Paliquith name. Mm-hmm. Right. So I'm like thinking, all right, whatever. And then I flip it over and I see the sticker. I'm like, ooh, BDSM. Bondage set. I'm like, th- there's no way this is really a bondage set. So I open up the box. Sure enough, right on top are the instructions, and it lists all the items in the box. Now, I'm not going to list everything that was in the box, but I will say that if I wanted to go as the gimp from Pulp Fiction for Halloween, I'd have the full costume ready to go. <laughs> yes, a bondage set for your neighbors. Yeah, like I can either be the gimp or I could be one of the guys in the Blue Easter from Police Academy. Now, my question is, do you take this to your neighbors now, having looked at it, having opened the box? Like, do you do you do you walk over there and say, listen, um, I'm really sorry. I didn't realize that this was mailed to my house three weeks ago. I just found the box uh, and I opened it because I was worried. I didn't even look at the label. Mm-hmm. And and this is what I found. Or do you do you just throw it away? What do you do with this? Box? Yeah, that's that's not going to happen. It's not going to happen. I'm not going to show up to my neighbor's house. Who may be in the in the throes of an eyes wide shut party apparently, and uh, <laughs> and show up with the box because then they're going to think I want to partake. And uh, you know I'm not I'm not the Fifty Shades of Grey kind of guy. Right. Well, maybe maybe 
maybe Raul wants it. You know, Raul more than likely would. Um, I don't know if he'd be able to use it on his wife because she's she's rather rather ornery. But uh, I mean, who knows, man? Uh, I'll offer it up to him. Uh, you know, my wife's cousin, her birthday was today, so I may just wrap it up and give it to her. All right, and and tell Raul who gets it. That way, he can go knock on her door. What do you think? <laughs> if Raul has transportation, I don't think Raul Raul lives like in East <laughs> East Hialeah, and he's going to have to catch too many buses to get over to the West Side. <laughs> Uh, we will bring Raul back, right? He's going to be on the show again, hopefully soon. Yeah, at some point, I'm sure he's he's probably in a in a summertime drunken stupor, mm-hmm. um, just raiding all the the nude beaches in South Florida. So once he's done with that, I'm sure he'll be back. Carlos, football tomorrow. We start looking at it like a bunch of wild, crazy dogs, right? Great every, segue. Every uh, <laughs> every moment tomorrow, from, I get from to- bondage to balls. Uh, yes, football, the balls, bondage, it's the same thing. Um, there's going to be uh, uh, not full pads, right? Because that's that doesn't happen uh, early on. You're going to have shorts and helmets. Mario's going to let us watch a little bit of practice, and then we got to run away and hide because uh, we're not allowed to release any important information that Bethune-Cookman could use to beat them. Um, so, you know, it, we will get to watch some. I Look, the biggest storylines to me, and I you, you want to read what I've written here in the last couple of days um, regarding the change in accountability with the players from, from a mental standpoint. Um, you can read about the changes in the weight room, which are obviously very important. It'll be detailed here uh, after we get a chance to talk to Aaron Feld tomorrow. That'll be a storyline. To me, it's a couple of things. Wide receiver, does Miami have a guy like that can, that can emerge? B, linebacker slash tackle. Is that is that better? Because the seven and five team that lost three games by less than a touchdown uh, last season um, wasn't that far off from having a much better year than they did, and they're picked in the you know to win the Coastal Division. Um, people are excited about you know Miami this season with Tyler Van Dyke, but if his receivers don't show up and we don't see better tackling from the linebackers, uh, this could be a team that doesn't really win the division. They could be beaten. Um, what what in your mind sticks out like a sore thumb going into tomorrow? So, yeah, I think the linebackers are, are obviously the number one concern. And, you know, coming into the season following last year and even the year before, the way the linebackers have performed has been subpar. Um, but to me, the biggest concern right now coming off the media days is learning that, that Zion's not going to be ready to start the season. He's coming off the scope. Uh, and that left tackle position is critical, um, especially when you got a quarterback like Tyler Van Dyke who can do so much when he has the, the proper time to be able to do that. So for me, that's, that's very concerning. Although they say it's a minor procedure, it does, he did say it's about an eight week recovery process. Right. So who knows how many games he's going to miss. If he's going to be after, if he's going to have to be thrown in the fire against Texas A&M coming off, uh, you know, being off that, that, that break from the surgery, not having any, any game time before that, that's, that's a bit of a concern for me. Um, you know, for the overall season to me, can, like you said, can a, rec- a receiver, develop as a number one guy, a dependable guy that you can go to that can catch the football and make plays down the field. Um, you know, Miami, like you said, has a ton of talent at wide receiver, but some of it is unproven and it's been inconsistent in the last few years. So that's, that's a, a, a place they need to get more consistency and more playmaking out of. They'll be consistent in the slot, I believe, with Xavier Restrepo, uh, you know, Rashard Smith, and, and have those kinds of guys in the slot. The outside is a concern. Can Keyshawn Smith take that next step? and be a dependable guy. He gets open, he can make plays, but hasn't been able to come down with the football enough to really warrant that number one role yet, to be that guy. You know, Frank Lesnan has a lot of talent. He's got a lot of size, 
but can he be consistent also catching the football? Um, he wasn't able to get on the field at Clemson probably for that reason, but he's got good size and ability. Hopefully he can turn that around. And, you know, the young guys in, in Jacoby George, uh, Romello Brinson, all the other guys that are young and, and, and hungry and have talent, you know, what are they going to do? They're going to take that next step in development. And that's what I want to see. The other thing that I want to see is, you know, they, they have a host of running backs right now, but not a number one guy. And, and that's the other concern. You know, they had the biggest issue in the offense last year was the inability to run the football. Um, and when you're in an offense like the one that Gaddis is going to run, you need to be able to have a consistent running game. It doesn't need to be a game breaker, but it needs to be something where you have a consistency at the running back position and you're able to rely on that ground game to then set up the play action and go down the field the way he wants to. And to me, that's the biggest concern. They've got a bunch of guys who's going to emerge as the guy that takes the most carries to be the lead guy. Um, that may be different at the beginning of the season than it is at the end of the season. Um, but the other thing is how do they leverage those running backs in the passing game, which I think Gattis did a great job at, at Michigan. And, and that's also going to play into the receiver situation. You've got unproven guys on the outside. So what do you turn? You turn to the tight end, you turn to those running backs, you find different ways to, to move the football through the air with those other running backs and, and tight ends. But, you know, uh, so to me, running back, receiver, obviously linebacker and that left tackle spot. All very good points. Uh, all great counter punches to, to my suggestions. I'm going to share this from media day. I spent about 15 minutes with Josh Gaddis, about another 15 minutes uh, with Kevin Steele, Miami's defensive coordinator. I spent about 10 minutes with Miami's running back coach, Kevin Smith, um, who, by the way, I finally got a chance to, to shake his hand. You know, I missed part of the spring because I had COVID. Um, so I didn't get a chance to meet all the coaches whenever they were made available. Um, and, and, you know, Kevin, of course, brings up my age immediately. He's like, man, you're the GOAT. He's like, you put me on all day way back when, which made me feel really, really old. Um, Carlos, because I am 44 now, but every time I run into people who were players when I was the high school writer at the Miami Herald, and now they're grown men coaches with five kids, um, it, you know, it ages me and, but great yeah. dude, great dude. Um, good conversation with him. Here's where I'll start. Cause we, we've, we've hit on a couple of different topics. We'll go, we'll go little by little from some of the conversations that I was able to have individually with some of these coaches quarterback, uh, First of all, people were freaking out because Jake Garcia, I don't know if you saw this happening earlier this week, Frank, yeah. Frank, Frank Pons posted a photo of, you know, every, every position coach basically took players with them to their house for dinner or took them out to eat. Um, Frank Pons took him to his beautiful house over there in Miami Lakes. That's where he's living, by the way. Um, oh, no way. So me and Frank are not too far from each other. I told him and we're going to play some hoops soon, hopefully. Hopefully, uh, you know, when when the bye week or something, we can meet up and, and play a little bit of hoops. But listen, so. um you know, no photo of Jake Garcia. All of a sudden at night, I'm getting text messages from, from fans, some people who DM me that I talked to sources, Jake transferring. What's going on? He's not in the photo. I spoke to Jake's father. Um, I spoke to his position coach out in California. All of them assured me uh, he was finishing final. I guess the summer B session finished August 3rd, which was yesterday. Um, and he had a, a, a test project, all this kind of stuff he had to turn in. That's the only reason he wasn't at the dinner. Okay? And that's so, also not a slight on Frank's uh, barbecuing ability. I'm right. sure it's fantastic. I'm sure it's fantastic. Or wherever it's not better it is. than mine. Not better than mine, but that's fine. It's, it's still pretty good. Right. Um, so anyway, uh, Jake Garcia is not going anywhere. He's got a nice NIL deal with John Ruiz, pays him well, helps him keep his parents here in South Florida so they can live here and go to his games and be around him. Uh, he's just a good student and he cares about school. He just you know, he wanted to finish his project. So anyway, any concerns about the quarterback? None. I think 
Tyler Van Dyke, the most important thing is to work with those receivers. Um, I think we can move past quarterbacks. Uh, I would say this about running backs, following my conversation with Kevin Smith and sharing a little bit of intel with you. So I've had multiple people at Miami in the past two weeks around the program, people that are well connected, tell me Chavante Citizen, the freshman that they stole from the University of Florida back in February, he was going to sign at Florida, um, is an absolute monster. He is Willis McGahee. He benches 600 pounds. He's 220 pounds. He runs uh, an 11 flat in the 100 you know, meters, uh, four or five speed. And just an absolute stud. And everybody's like, don't be surprised if he beats out Jalen Knight and Donald Cheney Jr., uh, Thad Franklin, and Henry Parrish, who transferred in from Ole Miss. Don't be surprised if he's the number one running back. And that's something I was hearing back in February, but now he's in the building. Now he looks like a total freak. And so I went to ask Kevin Smith. He's the position coach. Okay, he was recruiting him to Ole Miss. I said, Kevin. Everybody's telling me how great this kid is. He's Willis McGahee part two. And, you know, I want to share the clip. I have uh, about eight minutes of of conversation with him. Uh, Maybe we'll share a little bit of it here in in a minute. But I'll tell you this, Carlos, he's definitely excited about this kid. Now, what I would tell Miami fans who are like, what's going to happen with the running back position? I think there's no doubt in my mind that there's not going to be one guy. Okay, and and listen, Kevin Smith was the one guy at UCF. He had 450 carries his final season at UCF. Okay, 29 touchdowns, 450 carries. He basically said to me, those days are over. There will be roles for everybody here. Um, So there will not be one guy who emerges. And I think in today's game, that's the way you have to go about it. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. I agree. And I think it's it's interesting that all of them have sort of a little bit of a different skill set that they can apply in different ways. Um, you know, although Knighton and Parrish are smaller backs, Parrish maybe a little bit bigger, um, they can use them in more of the passing game and more of the outside runs, things where they can utilize that speed, maybe in the screen game as well. Um, Chaney's a little bit of a bigger back, but still a little bit more elusive. Thad's the hammer, the bigger dude that you can play in between the tackles. Um, and Citizen apparently has has the best of both worlds. So we'll see what they end up doing. But, you know, it's it's always good to have depth at the running back position because that's such a such a dangerous position because of the amount of contact that that player takes uh, on, on a game-to-game basis even if it's not a 15 20 30 carry kind of guy you're still taking a lot of contact and it's aggressive contact a closer person not like a receiver out on the edge um who maybe only gets his head taken off every once in a while if he's coming across the middle which doesn't even happen anymore but um so it's good that they have that embarrassment riches at running back and they could apply those different skill sets in different ways and not have teams hone in on one particular play like inside zone that we ran 975 times in one game last year um, and have done so for the last few years. Although last year's a great offensive coordinator, the one complaint I would have is that his run game was a little bit uh, unimaginative and, and really, although he didn't have the, the ability to change it so much because of the, the issues with the offensive line and, and the lack of depth of running back, I think you'll see more versatility in the run game this season and see more of those guys be placed in the best position to make them successful and not run things like Jalen Knight and have to run an inside zone or just a straight dive um, game after game and play after play, because that's what it calls for. I think you'll see them be in positions where their skill set is better utilized. Looking for an assist with your credit card, but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. 
you can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. DirecTV gives you access to apps like Netflix and live sports right next to each other. I don't get it. Let me put it in pigeon terms. It's like that one amazing dumpster with the old fruit and cardboard all in one place. How am I supposed to keep up with illustrative metaphors when you are making me so hungry? Get live TV and streaming apps together without a satellite. Visit directtv.com. Requires high-speed internet-connected Gemini device and separate paid subscription to watch Netflix on DirecTV. Terms and restrictions apply. Well, I want to play a little bit of this Kevin Smith sound just because I got him one-on-one and I asked him some questions specifically about uh, the young running back that they uh, pulled out of Louisiana that everybody looks at and says, there's no doubt Trevante Citizen is going to be great. Well, here's what Kevin Smith had to say. So I want to just ask you about... um you know, philosophy going into a season like this. I know you got five really good running backs, mm-hmm. but is, is the feeling one guy get hot, let him keep rolling, or do you think it's a thing where inevitably you're going to have two, three guys getting carries? You know, I think that all that's all predicated on, you know, how the guys attack. And, you know, the, it, it's hard to say. You know, last year I was a part of a system where, you know, I was responsible for getting guys in the game based on, you know, their their – their dependability and being able to trust them and obviously at the end of the day them being able to produce and that kind of you know three guys touched the ball over a hundred times and I think that kind of formed itself because of what the players did you know it really has nothing to do with me but I'm saying that to say I didn't foresee that happening it just you 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 focus on the process and you're able to talk about the end result yeah you know because I've been a part of it you know, I know it can happen. Mm-hmm. I, I have no clue what's going to happen here. I know we have a room, not only with, you know, the five scholarship guys, but we got some pretty good walk-ons that are all really working really, really hard to gain the trust of the coaches and their teammates, execute the playbook, know the playbook inside out, and go out there and every single day just stack one practice after one practice and not worry about anything beyond the day that we're on. You know, just... I think we practice Thursday or Friday, whatever. Just do that day and focus on on, on, on that day and what we can do to, to, to get the better of that day and everything else to take care of itself. Citizen, we didn't get a chance to see him in the spring, but we know you guys were obviously excited to get him in the building. And right. Somebody was telling me squatting like 600 pounds. Yeah. I yeah. mean, just when you look at him, somebody even told me Willis McGahey is like the comparison. Right, right, right. You're from the city. You know what Willis meant here? Right, right. Just your, your thoughts on his game and potential. Well, you know, I, I recruited him uh, out of high school and, and fell in love with it, with his tape and his ability. I mean, he's a big, strong kid who has above-average size-speed ratio. He's about 220 pounds solid. Uh, he's a grown man, you know, but the most important thing, he's very mature. So to me, that's his biggest asset right now in his career that's going to give himself a chance. The difference between freshman playing, freshman playing really good, are their maturity factor. Some freshmen are going to play because people are going to get hurt and they don't have no other choice. Some freshmen are going to play because they earned it because the way they went about their business because, you know, from my experience of the game of football, it's really, really hard to play as a freshman because there's so much required in such a short amount of time. And the, the, the demand uh, in college compared to high school 
is a lot more in order to prepare for a game when it's it's a real deal on college football Saturdays. So I say all that to say, but his mindset is is he, he wants it. Uh, he spends a lot of time in this building. And I think a little bit of being not being from here helps. You know, I think that, you know, sometimes when freshmen go to school at a certain place, not that they're distracted, right? But I'm saying that he beyond his teammate, he doesn't know anybody. Right. So he can be bored out of his mind. He's going to come here. Right. right. You know, and it's almost to a point to where you got to hold him back so he's not doing too much. But I'd rather it be like that than to try to get him going. But, you know, he has a chance. He has a chance to contribute. How fast is it? you guys do any of those mom power things in with him? No, we we not that well, not that I know of. But I know they always keep a GPS. He can move. I mean, you can look at his track times, and I think he was a, 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 a 11, a, 11 flat, 11 100 meters. But it's at 220 pounds. So you know, that's a that's a different move. You know, 11 to me, 11 flat is still good anyway. You're running, it's, and it's all about how fast you play. Right. Do you run that that speed with the pads on, with the ball in your hand when you're running routes, mm-hmm. when you're running down on special teams? And to me, that's what I've been able to see in, in the summer workouts, that he, he really has good explosiveness and good acceleration. So he has a chance. Like I told him, you know, you're going to have to work for it. It's going to be really tough to, to, to get on the travel bus. You know, mm-hmm. I, I'm still very old school in the way that it – Starts with special teams, mm-hmm. and he's the type of kid that co-signed me up for him all. Yeah. So we'll see if he's gonna back that talking up when we put them passes yeah. on. Yeah. I guess I guess the expectation is, and, and again, this is outside. Nobody. Right, right, you know, right, right. Th- that he's the kind of guy who could come in as a true freshman, right? Carve out a real role. Yeah. But that's and, not out of the question. And if he and if he does that, if he does that, just my perspective, that means he worked extremely hard and mm-hmm. he's extremely productive because. I do think we have a talented room. I, I think a combination. We have different skill sets, uh, and, and you know the thing is, you, you don't got a lot of tape on him. There's yeah. not a lot of tape on Henry Parrish and, yeah. and Don Chaney, especially, and uh, and Rooster. There's not a lot of ch- tape on those guys, but there's enough experience. Right. So, right. you know. Now that you know this is kind of their room collectively, uh, we'll see how they handle it. But from a from a mindset standpoint, I like where the where the boys are. They've been they've been really working and buying in, and you know it's different. You got you know different coaches than what you signed up for, right? And so the culture's gonna inevitably be different, yeah. you know. And so they they brought in, and and so I'm excited for them. I'm, I'm really excited about this training camp. This one. Is it wide open, like a wide open race for the job? Yeah. And you know what? I I don't look at it like, you know, the difference between somebody starting and not starting has nothing to do with talent. You know, it has everything to do with can I trust that you can operate under any circumstances. You know exactly what you're doing inside out. There are some guys that are more talented than the guy that goes in first. There are some guys that feel better coming in. I call it switch hitting. There's some guys that feel better coming in during a drive versus starting the ball off if the ball gets kicked and it's inside the five. And that's a critical situation. You can't make any mistakes. He might have better, more talent than the guy that you put in, but in that situation, he's best under those circumstances. And this, the guy that, that I coached last year, he got in third. 
mm-hmm. and he got drafted and scored 13 touchdowns. Mm-hmm. So I don't look at it like the guy. I think those days of when I played of getting 450 carries and just being, not only do you not want that at this position, that's not the game anymore. You know, I, I think everybody. Everybody has a specialty. Ev- everybody has a specialty, but college and pros. Mm-hmm. You you just you look in the, you look in the pros. There's yeah. really four or five guys mm-hmm. who just gets a load, a load, a load, and when other people try to do it, yeah. they don't last long. Mm-hmm. You know, so yeah. which I think is good for the game. I think it's good for the players. It's up to them to to do enough to make a coach put them in the game, and it's up to the coaches to find a way to get them all in and steal one ball. All right, so you heard the sound from uh, Miami running backs coach Kevin Smith. That was fantastic. Obviously, he's going to be uh, a guy who, uh, and for our YouTube people wondering what the hell just happened, that's what, that's what you call podcast magic, by the way. That's podcast magic. So if you want yeah, to hear we, what Kevin we, Smith said, go to our- We heard the whole thing in our minds. <laughs> we, we Jedi mind tricked it, and we heard the whole thing. But sorry for you guys that don't have that ability. <laughs> Anyway, we heard what he said. Um, here's what I'll say as a follow-up um, to the running game situation. Um, I don't know if this has been reported by anybody. Um, this is a small football detail, okay? But, you know, it's it, it's inside the game. And for those of you that like this kind of stuff, you know, I talked to a lot of the offensive linemen to, to ask them specifically in what ways is Mirabal different from the previous coaching staff, right? What he teaches, what Mario teaches, um, you know, the way that you guys block. Okay. And, and besides the combo blocking and, 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 and just, you know, in terms of two guys taking on one guy and just opening up lanes, etc. cetera. Um, physically what they're doing with their hands is different. Okay. And, and I looked it up online and this will be in a story at some point in the athletic, but I might as well say it here on the podcast. Um, Alex Mirabal had like a whole story he wrote on using the pull-up method, which is basically getting two hands inside on the chest pads of the defensive lineman and pushing them up and lifting them up and out of sort of their shoes with the strength that they have. Um, And using that method versus the punch, which is a little bit more of an opportunity where if you don't hit a guy well enough, um, they can sort of rebound and, knock you over and, and blow up the hole. Um, Carlos, I don't know how much inside football you want to get into, but I thought that was kind of interesting. And I don't know if you had heard that during the spring or not. I know I didn't. Um, maybe it's because I wasn't there enough with being out with COVID, but um, I don't remember them talking about that in the spring. Yeah, I don't remember that either. And it's it's a different technique because, as you said, when you're when you're doing quick hand punches and hand strikes, the ability for the defensive lineman, if he's quicker or he's first to shoot the hands, can slap those hands away and then gain control of you uh, and win the matchup, basically, which happened a lot with Miami. So what you'll have is you'll have a defensive lineman slap that hand away, grab the shoulder pad, and then basically just have the offensive lineman at his mercy and be able to shift and toss and go make the play. Um, with that with that technique that Mirabal is teaching is when you're getting your hands, you're shooting them quick inside, grabbing the inside of the shoulder pad and trying to leverage the defender one way or another, and you're lifting him out of his shoes because now – the, the, the old adage in offensive line plays, lowest man wins. So what you're trying to do is get the leverage inside on the offensive line, on the defensive line, and be lower than him at the point of attack. Get those hands inside and then use your lower body to drive him where you want, where now he's lost that leverage. He's got no control over his lower body. He doesn't have that strength, that center of gravity that he can use to now make a move. And he's just relegated to basically trying to fight your hands off 
And it's difficult when you've got your hands locked in and your, your elbows basically pressed in, trying and moving that person around. You can't slap that as easily. Whereas, you know, when you're, I've, I've taught this as, as a football coach before in the past, a lot of what they teach you, especially when it comes to receivers, when they try to jam you and those hands get extended, you want to hit them between the wrist and elbow because that hinges, right? That's the way that those defensive linemen will knock those offensive linemen's hands off. They make those arms hinge and they can gain control again. When you're in there that tight and you're up in there that strong, it's difficult. If you try to make it hinge, it's not going to work. I just made my microphone. If you can't, it's not going to work because you're in so tight and in a strong position of control. Um, which also requires better strength, right? And, and quickness and the ability to get low and get under those pads. So it's interesting that Miracle teaches that way. And I'd like to see how that, that gets executed. It's a little foot inside football for you. We, we try to bring you something whenever we can. And that's as inside football as I'm going to get this week. I don't have any other um, deep uh, penetrating, um, you know, uh, no, so we're football. back to the bondage. We're back to the bondage with the deep football penetration. information. Yes, we're back to the bondage. That's what I was thinking about as I was saying that. Um, any other football info in terms of inside football, but that is as close as you'll get. Um, and it'll be interesting to watch, as you said, the, the tactics. I asked Will Mallory, who's been here for five years, about the switch, right? Because he's a tight end. He's got a block. He is in the uh, Y uh, position. Uh, Elijah Royo is going to be uh, the H back, essentially, when both of them on the field are on the field a lot. Uh, in two tight end sets. And I asked him, I said, you know, the difference in blocking, how much has that been taught to you? And he said, uh, it's a hundred percent been taught to the tight ends. And in terms of the, uh, you know, putting the hands inside and, and using that pull up sort of method, he said he used that method when he was a freshman. That's what the pre, you know, went way back when he was a true freshman, that's the way he was taught to block. It changed. I mean, Miami's had four different offensive line coaches since he's been there. So, um, so, so go back to, I guess, uh, whoever was here four years ago, uh, <laughs> five years ago, uh, that's that's the way, uh, and I'm forgetting. I think he's the coach who's now what, left North Carolina, is now Georgia, and his name Stacey is Cyrils. Huh? Stacy Cyrils, right. That's the way Cyrils taught them to block. Um, you know, Garen Justice was was more of a punch guy. Um, and, and anyway, so Mallory told me um, that he feels that that's a much more effective way and, and probably much more of the way that NFL guys uh, block, by the way. He said that the benefit of it, a lot less holding calls uh, when you're when you're sort of tucking your hands underneath the shoulder pads, hitting a guy in the chest. Um, harder to see. Harder to see and catch those holding calls. So uh, something to watch inside football. Let's let's move on to receivers for a second. Um, you know, <laughs> Gaddis was asked by David Lake of Inside the U, uh, how much confidence he has in the wide receiver talent? Does he feel like there's enough? And Gaddis's response was interesting. It was, I feel like there's enough talent on this team, which when a coach answers a question that way, you know, little sirens go off in my head that say, well, clearly uh, he's thinking he's going to have to look at running back and tight end for a lot of production this year in the passing game. Agree or disagree? Yeah, I agree. It's it's one of those things like where if you compare that to other answers that other position coaches gave, you know, like Kevin Smith's answer about Trevante Citizen, uh, or even questions about the offensive line where Mario has come out and said, you know, he thinks John Campbell is going to be uh, one of the best players in the ACC this year, um, not just on the team. You know, you don't get somebody praising a specific player at wide receiver. That means you don't have a dominant player at that position. That means you're basically just a collective right now that's trying to figure its way um, and trying to identify the guy who it's going to be, you know, either in camp or when those bullets start flying during the regular season, someone has to emerge because right now there's not that one guy you look at and say, okay, this is the guy. There's no Charleston Rambo this year or Mike Harley. 
One thing I'll share from my one conversation with the receiver, I, I try to spend most of my time talking to the offensive and defensive linemen because honestly, I feel like <clears throat> if Miami's ever going to be great again, they got to dominate those positions. Part of what I wrote. Plus, about, they probably have the better snacks on media day, too. They do. Um, <laughs> Jacoby George uh, did inform me uh, and Matt Shodell of Canesport, who were there talking to him at the same time, that he will be the punt return guy this year. Um, so he will be involved in that. Um, interesting conversation with him about, you know, just what you do on punt returns. But anyway, Jacoby, you know, he's one of the receivers. He's one of the guys fighting for those jobs. Uh, one of the guys, I think, in the running. Uh, I think him and Romello Brinson um, are lining up uh, on one of those outside positions. And I think the way they and, and Keyshawn uh, Smith, by the way, I think they're all together. And then I think the opposite side is like Frank Ladson um, and, and uh, the kid who just got here, Colby Young. Um, those are the main guys at, at the other spot. So I think they're kind of going with one big athletic leaper type guy. Uh, and then, you know, Keyshawn, I would assume Keyshawn will be one of the starters. I would think him and Restrepo will be two out of the three starters whenever they go three receiver sets. They may not. They may do a lot of two tight end sets uh, that only have two receivers on the field. But um, Well, you could, still, you could still go, yeah, you'll go three receivers, one tight end, one back. I think you'll see a lot of two tight end sets, like you said. Um, and and the way Gaddis used it a little bit in the spring is using one of those tight ends in the backfield almost as a pullback. Um, but I think it's very interesting that you're seeing Jacoby George get to the punt return job and Restrepo being taken off of that along with kickoff return because I think they're, they know that that's their most reliable – right now, their most reliable right. receiver, and they don't want to put him in a position where he gets injured. I agree. And, and you know, I think, you know, we'll see ultimately whether or not they put Restrepo back there. But I think, obviously, you know, again, that's probably some of their thinking. He's going to be getting a heavy workload in that slot. Um, and, 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 obviously, Will Mallory, the other tight end, be catching a lot of balls. Uh, Elijah Royal will as well. So we'll see where ultimately Tyler Van Dyke develops the best chemistry. But look, Xavier Strebo is his best friend. And I know that he spends a lot of time with Elijah Arroyo. They're both represented by Rosenhaus Sports. Um, they're guys that just hang out a lot together as well. And, and so I, I think he's going to have the best chemistry with his tight ends and, and, and probably Restrepo among the receivers. And then, you know, one thing that Gaddis talked about was the running backs. He feels like they've got some good pass catchers. Henry Parrish has some good hands. Um, you know, Jalen Knighton caught some balls and did some special things out of the backfield. So ultimately, we will see what happens uh, when games start to be played. But I think right now, I'm not saying they're dismissing the receivers as deep threats, but I certainly think somewhere up there in these first two weeks of practice when Josh Gaddis is formulating the strengths of this team and ultimately setting in a game plan for week one, week two, and week three, um, he's going to have to make a decision. How much do we count on these receivers to go deep and stretch the field? How much do we just, you know, go with what our strength is? Um, all right. That's that offensive line. You mentioned Zion Nelson. Uh, I asked Zion point blank. I said, is there any chance where, you know, you don't play week, week one? He says, I don't know. Um, I can say this. He had the surgery more than three weeks ago. Now um, they said six to eight weeks. He felt, you know, he had to have loose cartilage basically taken out of the same knee that he had injured before. Um, I asked him if it was related to the previous injury. He said no, and that it was painful. It was something that he had to get done before the season started and nothing that ultimately is going to cost him any important snaps. I think, you know, what I could see happening with Zion is that he comes back the week before the first game, doesn't play against Bethune-Cookman, but probably starts the next week. 
to get sort of a tune-up game before Texas A&M. That's my that opinion. Would be ideal. That's my opinion. That's not fact. That's not going to happen 1,000%. That's my opinion of what's going to happen. Um, and I think in the meantime, you know, a guy like John Campbell who, you know, listen, <laughs> Mario said about him on Tuesday, he's going to be one of the best players in the ACC. Didn't surprise me because Garen Justice, uh, when he was here, loved John Campbell. And he was so excited to coach this guy. I, I spoke to, to, to John for about 20 minutes uh, myself on, on uh, Tuesday. And he's telling me he works out with Trent Williams. He's close with Trent Williams, the, the NFL all-pro tackle. Um, and he's got a ton of confidence, man. He's like, I'm going to be the left tackle. Like he's like, he's, he's like, I got this. And truth be told, um, go back to last year and look at where Zion Nelson got his first few snaps of the season. He was at right tackle. And I think had John Campbell not been hurt a week before camp starts, um, I think there's a chance he might've been Miami starting left tackle. Now what's going to happen as we get to the season here, I think Zion, when he comes back, he's going to be the left tackle. Um, but I think John Campbell will absolutely be in the starting lineup. And that's a huge question that everybody had, right? It's like, well, who do you put with Zion? Who do you put with Ja'Kai Clark, who's your center? Who do you put with DJ Scaife, who's who could play right guard or right tackle? Well, I know this uh, from, from talking to Alex Mirabal. He thinks he has just as much talent here, if not more, in terms of strength of offensive linemen than he had at Oregon. And it's hard to argue with him because you look at the guys at Oregon, I mean – Outside of Panay Sewell, it's not like they recruited a bunch of five-star offensive tackles. I mean, they had three- and four-star guys just like Miami has, and he had to coach guys up to be really, really good. I think on paper and on video, when you watch the athleticism of some of Miami's offensive linemen, I think it's right there with Oregon. They just have to be coached up and perform to the level that they need to play at. Right, and stay healthy. And I think there's also a little bit there, – there goes my dog slapping his, his water bowl. Uh, because my daughter's totally ignoring him. So when I finish my point, I will refill his bowl. Stop it. Um, so I, this I, is the I, second dog interruption in, in successive podcasts. I, uh, our, our Gators writer, Alan Taylor had to let yeah, his dog, dog out to pee. Yes. Yes. Yeah. So, um, this one apparently needs more to be able to pee and, uh, come on, Stewie. You're all right, buddy. <laughs> Hang in there. That's it. That's your buddy. Um, yes. So, I mean, I think there's more depth this year than there was last year on the offensive line, with it, which definitely helps. So I think that breeds competition that elevates the level of the play across the board. I also think that, you know, with John Campbell coming back healthy, if he's strong and he's ready to go, can be a great asset for that offensive line. Now you have two solid tackles where you have a guy like, like Zion, you have a guy like John Campbell at the bookends, you have other guys inside like Jalen Rivers, you have DJ Scaife at the guard, you still have a little soon that can slide in there. You have the the other guy, I forget his name from uh, the transfer from Oregon that could slide in there. Sagapulu, the seven hundred right. pound squatter. Yeah, yeah, that that's what I was. I was a seven hundred pound squatter. Yeah, but I was just me staying in somebody's house, and I was very fat at that point in my life. But anyway, um, it's you've got Jakai Clark at center, so you've got experience up front. Now it's just a matter of you know turning that talent into results and execution. And I think the competition helps that, and obviously Murrayball's coaching is going to help that a lot. Uh, Jalen Rivers told me he wants to be the left guard. That's what he's shooting for right now uh, on this team for this year. Um, could he move to other positions? Will he play left tackle the first couple of weeks while Zion is out? Yes. I think he will rotate in there with John Campbell. Mirabal told me uh, Scaife will rotate in there. And uh, Justice Oluwashun, um will also rotate in there. Justice was kind of the sixth man last year. Um, so he has experience. He played at UNLV a ton. He's one of Garen Justice's guys. 
Um, I think they value him as well. Um, ultimately, though, uh, you know, this offensive line should be good. It should be one of the better ones in the country this coming season. Uh, Carlos, is, uh, did Stewie get his water? Yeah. Yeah, he got his water. Uh-huh. I also put a little bit of bourbon in there so he can knock out for the night. I mean, he's he's 26 years old. He should have some bourbon in there. I mean, at some point. I mean, he he hides cigarettes under his uh, his doggy bed. And I catch him every one of them while smoking one. I'm like, dude, you're too old. Can't be doing this. Yeah. He's, he's a little, he's a French poodle. What are you going to do? He likes his wine. He likes his cigarettes. He's like, he likes his brie cheese. You know, you got to keep him happy. Yes. Uh, defensive line wise, uh, as we shift over to that conversation, Akeem Mazador, the transfer from West Virginia, told me his shoulder is about 80%. Uh, now, this is a kid who's been dealing, Canadian-born, uh, nice kid, by the way, first time I have a chance to talk to him. Um, you know, he was all Big 12 second team, I think, a year ago. And he, you know, he's had this shoulder slash labrum issue um, since high school. And he had he re-injured it in the bowl game for West Virginia and had surgery. And he's about 80 percent recovery. They told him six months of recovery time and he's at month six. So he's not going to start camp on time uh, tomorrow is my expectation. I don't think I mean, he may be out there going through stuff, but I, I you know, he 80 percent coaches. You know, he says that to us, the media. I'm sure he says that to the coaches. Um, you know, he's he's going to be slow coming out of the gate. But, you know, I, listen, I was super impressed. I mean, Leonard Taylor, I think I was the only reporter who talked to Leonard Taylor yesterday um, or two days ago at, at Media Days. You know, he he told me he's still 290 and he's cut 5% body fat. Um, you know, he could only do one pull up when he got to Miami. He's doing eight now under Aaron Feld. Um, Jared Harrison Hunt, you know, had a foot infection in the spring. He's law. I mean, he's put on good weight. He's strong. He's a little 295 now. You know, Jared was a little light before. Now he's bigger, um, stronger, feels more explosive. Chance Williams, another, you know, defensive end here who um, was in the rotation. Uh, he told me he feels so much more explosive in his hip. All these guys look so much bigger. And I know this happens every year. Every, you know, every year we talk about how great these guys look coming off of, you know, the, the conditioning program. But I don't know. There's just, I don't know, a different level of swagger when it comes to it. They picked up five guys in the portal. Jake Lichtenstein, who we saw this spring, was was good. He was effective. He's a guy who looks like he can definitely – I mean, I think defensive line, if you had to rank positions of strength on this team in terms of proven guys, I don't know, man. They might be number two behind Tyler Van Dyke, right, in the quarterbacks. I, yeah, I, would, I mean, at the very least, they have – you know, they may not have an A-plus guy, although Leonard Taylor has the ability to be that kind of A-plus guy. He still needs right. to work himself into that. But they have enough guys that are B-plus, A-minus guys that creates problems for teams because they have they could just keep rolling those guys in. So there's not a drop-off when you run a second guy in there or a second group in there as you like to rotate deep the climbing team for fresh. There's not going to be a big drop-off. It's probably going to be a consistent level. And you may have guys that are specialists in certain areas like pass rushers. That'll come in there just specifically on third downs or second and longs and situations or big pass rush downs and and be that guy just to do that and do it very well. So to me, I think the defensive line is a is a position of strength because of the depth and because of the amount of guys that they have not only that are proven, but that have that ability to be good to very good. And that in turn strengthens the linebackers and strengthens the secondary because you're you're creating more havoc up front. Mitchell Agude, I've told you guys before on this podcast, grown man. Like he is, I mean, the physique reminds me of uh, Jermaine Johnson, who was the ACC Defensive Player of the Year last year that Florida State 
you know, picked up through the portal and came in and, and looked every bit. I, I think a good day. I don't know if he's Jermaine Johnson, but I, why can't he be Quincy Roche? Right. Like Quincy Roche was a really good player for Miami. Uh, I think he's on par with that at the very least. Um, I, I, I look at the defensive tackle position. I see, you know, Elijah Roberts, a guy who can slide in and out, um, you know, Leonard Taylor, Jared Harrison Hunt, um, Antonio Malchi, who they picked up from UAB is going to be in there. There's so much depth on that defensive line that it really, you know, when you look at it, I know everybody. And the Hulk and Daryl Jackson is. Yeah. That Daryl Jackson, just a, an absolute beast. Um, you know, there, there is, there is some, some impressive looking guys. I think we're going to notice that. I think there's going to be some good battles between the offensive and defensive line. Once they put the pads on, which by the way, it takes about three days um, before they're allowed to do that. So um, anyway, that's the defensive line linebacker. I spoke to Kevin Steele uh, for a while. Didn't get a chance to talk to Charlie strong, but the most interesting thing, Charlie, uh, Kevin Steele said, you know, he, he's not afraid to go with two middle linebackers. If those are their best two linebackers, that's what he's going to do. Um, you know, obviously he's got the nickel slash star position that uh, is going to be interesting to watch as well. Tyreek Stevenson will probably be the guy who starts there at the star. Although, you know, we'll see what Daryl Porter jr. Does the transfer from West Virginia. If they can trust him and guys like Isaiah Dunson and DJ Ivy to be elite cornerbacks, not just okay, um, then you can probably move Tyreek into that star position. And, and let's not forget, Tyreek came here because he wanted to play corner. Uh, so uh, we will see ultimately what happens. But linebacker wise, um, you know, Steele told us right before he, he wrapped things up that uh, the Saints should be good to go, even though he was in that car accident. The freshman uh, who obviously Miami fans are excited about, Wesley Besaint from Miami Central. Um, supposedly he participated in OTAs uh, leading into practice. Uh, so he, if he's out there, that's a good thing. Chase Smith coming off surgery, missing the spring. He'll be out there. Um, and, and then, you know, you got the vets. You got Wayman Steed, who somebody told me is without a doubt one of the leaders on the team. He's his sixth year. He's one of the oldest voices in the locker room. Um, you know, I think he's can play middle or weak. And then you have Caleb Johnson and Corey Flagg, who are the basically the two middle linebackers. So, uh, and then Keontra Smith. Those are the those are the guys that are that are, that you'll see out there. Um, ultimately, I think Chase Smith and Wesley Besant are who you want to see because they're they're probably the most talented at that position on the team at linebacker. But you're going to see a lot of Caleb Johnson early, and and I think he'll be fine. I think he'll be one of the better players on that defense. Yeah, I agree. I think he's going to be solidified as a middle linebacker, and I think the guy that plays opposite ten is really a big question mark. And, uh, you know, I'm a little concerned if it ends up being Corey Flagg, although Caleb Johnson's very athletic and he basically was a weak side linebacker uh, at UCLA. He wasn't a a middle uh, per se. He could play that weak side and and be more of the guy that's that's more athletic and more in in pass coverage. You know, I I just haven't seen enough athleticism from Corey Flagg. And I think adding more athleticism um, helps the defense overall, Um, especially when you got that big defensive line now, guys up front that can actually occupy offensive linemen and let those linebackers flow to the ball. You want guys who are athletic enough to get to the ball uh, before it crosses that line of scrimmage, or at least when it gets to the line of scrimmage. And I don't think Corey Flack has that closing speed yet. He hasn't shown it yet. Hopefully he develops it. Maybe he's, he just, he's done it over the spring and the workouts. That remains to be seen. Uh, I know I read that Keontre Smith is now up to 230, which is great, but he's still getting adjusted to that weight, not, uh, not flying to the ball um, as he was before. He's got to get adjusted to that, but at least he can shed blockers a little bit better and make more physical contact when he gets to the ball. So that, to me, I think eventually what you're going to see is probably Caleb Johnson and Keontre Smith. Um, if Keontre can adjust to that, that weight gain, 
Um, but you'll probably open up with, you know, Caleb Johnson and Wayman Steed or Corey Flagg. And, and I think it's probably going to end up being Wayman Steed. And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. DirecTV gives you access to apps like Netflix and live sports right next to each other. I don't get it. Let me put it in pigeon terms. It's like that one amazing dumpster with the old fruit and cardboard all in one place. How am I supposed to keep up with illustrative metaphors when you are making me so hungry? Get live TV and streaming apps together without a satellite. Visit directtv.com. Requires high-speed internet-connected Gemini device and separate paid subscription to watch Netflix on DirecTV. Terms and restrictions apply. Yeah, and, and you know, I asked Kevin Steele, I said, you know, in your defense, do you have the confidence you've got quarterbacks out there, right? Because that's ultimately what matters. Do you have guys that you can have confidence in to align everybody and make sure they're on the right assignments? Um, you know, between the safeties and linebackers, that's where the responsibility usually falls. Um, you know, I think he has confidence that, that the guys know his defense. They learned it this uh, spring. I think he feels confident in those guys. I think Caleb Johnson is, is a quick study. He's a guy who started at UCLA 17 games. Uh, so he, he's not, it's not going to be difficult. It's not complicated. It's basically mirroring the running back. What we're not going to see anymore is a bunch of linebackers shooting gaps, uh, trying to create tackles for loss, which is what burned Manny Diaz many times and why you saw many one-on-one type situations down the field uh, where, where missed tackles were happening. This is about wrapping up. This is about shutting down and forcing third down and making a team beat you on third down um, with this defense. I'm not saying they're not going to be aggressive and not try to blitz or put pressure on the quarterback. I think Kevin Steele pretty much, you know, told us point blank, he's the kind of coordinator where he he doesn't have his own defense that he runs. He adjusts to whoever the hell he's playing. His job, he says, is to make quarterbacks play left-handed. Um, right. And and so that's his mentality. And I think he's going to be uh, very adaptable as defense. And one thing he said over and over again to us uh, on Tuesday is, you know, he's drilling into these guys' heads. There's not 11 starters. There's 18 to 22. Because in his mind, you have to roll that depth all of that died when teams went to hurry up offenses. Yes, Kevin Steele is an older gentleman. He has been in this game a long time, but he is very with it. And he is not this old school guy who's not going to adjust. And he's one of the best in the country doing it. Go back and yeah. look at what he did at Auburn, shutting down Clemson's offense, the two games that they played. You know, Jimbo didn't have a whole lot of success against him at Texas A&M, neither did the previous coaching staffs. I mean, Alabama would fight tooth and nail every year. Yeah, and the great job he did against the 2019 LSU team with Joe Burrow. Right. I think the the biggest difference we're going to see between uh, the Kevin Steele style of defense as opposed to Manny's style of defense is, like you talked about, Manny's defense was predicated on tackles for loss. So a lot of what they did was shoot those gaps, try and get in the backfield and make plays there in the backfield to try and get the team, the other team behind the sticks, get them behind in terms of where, where they are on schedule. What Steele's defense is going to do more of is be gap sound and gap control. So they're going to be in the right spots. They're going to be in the right place. And they're going to find the opportunity to meet the ball in the right gap and not be out of position. And then obviously the other thing that he's preaching, which he talked about in the spring also, is you know gang tackling, everybody getting to the football, not letting it be one guy that's trying to make the play. One guy makes contact, four or five other guys are in there right behind to shut him down. We went inside football again. That's the second time on the show. I told you listeners we wouldn't do it, but we did it. Yeah, I mean, you're just you were rolling there. I couldn't stop you. Sorry, man. I get inspired. Um, so anyway, star, by the way, the other guy at star to Corey Couch, Nickelback, obviously. Uh, so between him and Tyreek Stevenson, my guess is Tyreek may play the star on first and second down and then move outside on third down when and have you know Tyreek come in, uh, go outside and, and to Corey move into that slot position. Um, somebody else we saw there, I think in the, in the spring was Al Blades. 
I think Blade's probably going to be more of a safety this year uh, in certain situations. Um, but, you know, the cornerback position is going to be fun to watch. I, I think Isaiah Dunson, in fact, the one thing Kevin Steele did say um, is that of all the positions this spring, he was asked which one surprised you the most. He said cornerback. And just because he feels like there's a lot more talent there maybe than what produced last year, which wasn't very good. <laughs> Yeah, absolutely. And and with the Dino back there coaching the DBs, I think it's going to be much improved. And I think to me, the other interesting thing to see is, you know, how do they play the three safeties, the three young guys, right? Avante Williams, James Williams, and Cam Kitchens. Do you see some three safety sets? Right. Which to Susan me Miller makes sense. The Miami Herald asked Kevin Steele that very question. And what did, what did he say? He said, first of all, because listen, I don't, I don't read the Herald. All I read is the athletic. So I don't know which. Uh, this is what he said. He said, uh, James Williams is a safety. Um, and I don't care if we call him a giraffe, a hippopotamus, a lion. He's a safety. Um, and, and ultimately, if those three guys are going to get on the field, okay, uh, could one of them be in the box? Sure, but he's still going to be called a safety because James Williams does not want to be called anything but a safety. Um, Honestly, and I, and, and I saw Jim Miller die. I said this is somebody else, Miami's secondary coach. Uh, I, and I wish I knew the news source right off the top of my head because I didn't, again, I didn't talk to a die. There's only so much time you get with these guys and you have to sort of maximize what you can with each of them. Um, I saw that Jim Miller die uh, said that there will not be many situations where those three are on the field at the same time, in part because with how much rotation is going to go on and keeping guys fresh. Um, right, they're all going to get snaps, which is, which is encouraging. Right. So we will see a three-man rotation in safety, maybe four if Brian Balaam develops into the guy that Manny Diaz hoped he would under him. Um, Brian Balaam's a, a good player, I think. Um, but we'll see. Um, ultimately, I think it's it's those three guys rotating there. And then, right, and we still have Keyshawn Washington also to see what he develops into. Right. Well, you know, there's some lower guys, on the, uh, Jalen Harrells, all those kind of guys that, you know, maybe they play on special teams. I don't know how much rotation work they get. I think you're going to see an 18 to 22 Trusted man rotation. Um, it's a circle of trust, man. It's Kevin Steele's circle of trust. I would venture to say you will see 10 defensive linemen play, 9 to 10 defensive linemen play a game, probably five linebackers, and then, you know, five cornerbacks and three safeties. That's 23. That's probably too much. Maybe nine defensive linemen to get you down to 22. No, I think you'll do 10, line, 10 linemen, probably three to four linebackers, and then you're correct on the, the secondary. Yeah, so I ballpark. That's what that's what I would expect against good teams. Against bad teams that Miami should beat, you'll see more of those other guys get opportunities because I think you know Mario is the kind of guy that he, this is about big picture. Like he's going to obviously want to win every single game. I'm not saying he's not going to think about that, but I also think you know he's not stupid. You got to play the freshman. You got to play some of these young guys uh, to keep them from transferring and you got to keep them involved and you want to develop them. And I think Kevin Steele's with that. In fact, uh, he was asked by Michelle Kaufman of the Miami Herald about, I think it was Michelle Kaufman about playing freshmen. And he had a funny answer about that. Like, you, yeah, you, you got to play freshmen. There's no, there's no old school mentality of, nah, you just go with the seniors and the juniors and, he is very much about playing the freshman in today's era. So that's good to hear if you're worried about Kevin Steele maybe pulling a Manny Diaz. Yeah, I, I think it's it's a situation where at this point where, you know, there's there's not that old school mentality of freshmen only play after they've been there and redshirted for a year. 
or it's the end of the season. I mean, if you're ready to play now, if you show the ability and practice and you're strong enough and you're good enough, you're going to get on the field. And, and it's not only because of what you said with an IL. At the end of the day, you know, these coaches and Mario Cristobal know that they have to produce. And if the best guy on the roster is a freshman and the best guy that will produce the most results is a freshman, he's going to get on the field. And at the same time, he wants to see what he's got. He's got to see these kids not just in practice, but he's got to see them in live competition against other grown men. Carlos, uh, thank you for previewing the start of fall camp with me. Um, for our podcast viewers, um, be sure to check out the segment, our, our podcast viewers on YouTube, be sure to check out the segment on recruiting with Andrew Ferrelli of the South Florida Express that's going to be attached to the podcast on Spotify and everywhere else. So uh, when are we going to do this again, Carlos? You have your own podcast, by the way. Which Should we tell people again where to go? Because you're working on an interesting project. Tell them about your interesting project and what you're doing for your podcast. Yeah, so uh, I had recorded it Tuesday, I believe it was. I was going to put it on the air and uh, I had an issue with the audio. So I didn't end up doing it, so I had to re-record and I haven't re-recorded yet. But the project I'm working on is I'm going to compare the five national championship teams. Not compare them in a sense. I'm going to say basically make a case for each one as to why they are the greatest national championship team in Miami Hurricanes football history. So I'll start off with the 83 team, give you all the reasons why they should be considered as the greatest of all time. Go to 87, 89, 91, and 01. Give you those five teams. And for each team, I'll give you reasons um, why they should be considered the greatest of all time. Now, of course, everybody's going to say 2001 is the greatest of all time. But we're going to make cases for each one, and we're going to try and use the same categories and compare them and say, okay, these are the metrics. These are why we believe, you know, this stands out for this team, this stands out for the other team. Then use some things that are maybe, um, you know, not necessarily quantifiable, but maybe that, that play in their favor. Like, you know, their strength of schedule is better. They played better teams. They played a better opponent in the championship game. Um, they went undefeated as opposed to losing a regular season game. All those things play into, into the factors along with, obviously, guys that get drafted um, the talent on the team or maybe lack of talent on the team is what makes them the best. So that's what I'm working on right now. Excellent. I'm definitely going to check that out because I want to see what uh, consensus you come up with there. Uh, make sure you check out the MIA All Day podcast with Carlos Ledo here. Uh, comes on, does a great job. Does a better job than Kelvin Harris. Cal Kelvin does nowadays is harass me on Twitter and say 15-0. and 0. Uh, I know some listeners were asking for Kelvin. Uh, and maybe we'll get him on the podcast. I don't know. I mean, it's kind of like coming into that, becoming that Jimmy Kimmel situation, right? Where he never has time um, for. Well, we got we got we got to get him to figure out his, his iPad first or whatever right. tablet he, he uses. He has no idea how to get on YouTube. No, no. And the other thing is, like his audio. We spend half the time trying to get his audio right, and then we're staring at his head ninety percent of the time. It's just <laughs> a weird experience. Um, I'll be a tribute, but it's it's weird. Yes. Uh, thanks again, Carlos, for coming on. Uh, if you're listening to us on the podcast, you're going to hear the segment here coming up with Andrew Ferrelli talking Miami recruiting, uh, Andrew Ferrelli of the South Florida Express. If not, this is going to wrap up the YouTube segment. Carlos, thanks for coming on, brother. No problem, man. And thank you guys for putting up with the, uh, the facial features here. Uh, tried to try to nice it up with the hat and the sunglasses. Um, so there you go. Hope you enjoyed it. I'll ask Kane's barber if he can, uh, help you out. Bro, there's nothing you can do. Like, unless he's got some sort of uh, hair implant wig situation going on. If he could say maybe cut some of Jalen Phillips' hair and save that for me and place it on my head so I can maybe look a little bit more cool, I might end up looking like Sideshow Bob from, from uh, The Simpsons. But it, at least it's better than what I got going on now. <laughs> See you guys. Welcome to a special edition of Raulito on the mailbag for Wild Ride Podcast. 
Eh, Mamen, Manny Navarro has asked me to answer some mailbag questions. Eh, I'm not used to doing eh, mailbags unless I'm in jail and receiving my, my carticas from my fans from outside the paint. But we're going to do this Ken Styles of the Twitters. Eh, Manny has sent them to me via text message because I don't have the Twitters. Eh, I don't know how to tweet. I don't know how to be a little burst. So here we go. Eh, first question. Eh, can, let's see. What is the deal with any word on Raul and an NIL deal with La Carreta? The problem is this. Eh, Raulito, although he likes La Carreta, he's not a huge fan of La Carreta. And this is why. Croquetas are good in La Carreta, right? They're okay. They're not great. They're not fantastic. They're, they're just okay. Eh, to me, if you want a really good croqueta, you go to Sergio's or Islas Canarias, things of that nature. To me, that's better as I have a plane flying over me. And I record this. We're still going to keep going. I don't care because this is Raulito out in the street. As I smoke a mascara. Give me one second. Coffee this guy. Coffee this guy. Coffee Okay. Ah, there we go. So, yes. Eh, maybe I'll take the money. If it's good money. Okay, eh, la carreta wants to help you. Pero to me, for croquetas, you know, I'm going Sergio's y la Canarias. Something a little bigger and fat, if you know what I mean. You like it, eh? I like it. All right. What's the next one? What samples are you excited to see in practice uh, when I hit during the spring? Well, I heard about a guy named Manolo Fernandez uh, who transferred in. I don't know if he's going to play most, but he's a Cuban guy. I'll be good with him. Uh, that old Jameson Jackson, just because uh, I think that's his name. I don't know. He's a big dude. He looks like the Treble Hope. Big guy. Big guy. I'd like to see him. Uh, Antonio Motriz, because his, his name has three in it. So I'm assuming he's being a tron, like a tronco of a tree. So I like that. Okay. Uh, and, uh, yeah, there's, there's all the guys, man. I want to see all the guys. I want to see all the guys perform the world and make the Canes go crazy on Saturday. That's my, my thing. And finally, how are we going to keep all these running backs happy? Well, number one, you start with croquetas, like we started. We end with croquetas. you got to give the running backs croquetas. Like, they're not going to go and take a transfer to somewhere in Polk Dunk, South Carolina, right, or Oklahoma, uh, and, and go there when they can't get a decent croquetta. So you feed them the croquetas, you get them the pastelito, you get them the cafecito, you get them hooked on the sugar, basically, right? You get them hooked on the Cuban goods, and if you know what else I'm talking about, Cuban goods, if you take them out, take them out to Brigham, take them out to the South Beach, get us some really good Cuban goods, some, some good, some good there on the, on the Brickles in the South Beach, and I guarantee you this guy's ain't going nowhere. You think they're gonna go out in Norman's, Oklahoma? Huh? It's named after a dude, okay? Norman's, Oklahoma. Really? Really? Death Valley, South Carolina. Death Valley, South Carolina, it's a, it's a dead town. Death is in the name. There's nothing else. Todos están muertos. All the chicas están muertas. No, it's not going to happen, man. What are you going to go? Tale hashi, trail hashi. They like trail pass. No. Well, I think that's what we're going to do. No. They're going to stay here in Miami. So that's how you keep the running back there. Okay? That's how you keep them here. That's how you keep them happy. That's how you, but frankly, frankly, and I'm not talking frankly, punk. I'm talking just frankly. Uh, this is how you keep them all happy. The entire, not just a running back. Okay? Peace out. Raulitos in the house. Raulitos out of the house. Hope you enjoyed it. Talk soon. It is Thursday, August 4th, the eve of the start of Miami Hurricanes fall camp, uh, around 11 a.m. And uh, joined once again by Andrew Ferrelli, our uh, recruiting insider from the South Florida Express. Uh, I know that uh, all the talk is about camp right now, Andrew. Um, but recruiting is nonstop. It's uh, 24-7, 365 days a year. <laughs> and, uh, and and Miami could very well get a commitment here on Friday as camp opens uh, in, in three-star offensive lineman uh, Connor Liu, who's, who's, I guess, an All-American center. Um, 
and you know they've got other guys that they've had visiting. There's been conversations about the John John uh, the John Johnson, uh, top 100 recruit uh, cornerback out of Tampa Wharton. So there's there's things going on. Jaden Bonds is going to be announcing, I guess, the 14th. There's so much for us to talk about, um, and including that barbecue that they hosted uh, this past uh, weekend. So. Let, let's start here. Let's start. I'm going to give you a little bit of direction and we'll bounce around to different topics. Let's start with Connor Lou and what you've sort of heard the latest on him. Uh, I've heard good things about him lately. I think they feel um, confident landing him this Friday. Uh, commits on, I think, uh, 6.45 p.m. on Friday. Mm-hmm. Um, everything I've heard from the coaching staff, from people around him, um, they seem pretty confident they're going to be able to land him. Um, I know they're very high on him. I know he's a three-star on the composite. Some of the sites have him lower. Um, two, four, seven, seven has him as a four-star. Uh, his top four schools are Miami, Auburn, Clemson, and Georgia. Um, so, you know, definitely a, a high-quality player there. I know some people think he's in that conversation for, for one of the top centers in the country. Um, so I think they feel pretty confident about landing him. And he's someone that could, you know, really be a, a nice addition to this incredible offensive line class that they're building could be the, the center of the future. Um, he's got a, a great first step. They they really like him. He's got that nasty streak um, that you want, and um, he's a really smart kid. as a four GPA, which is you know especially important for someone playing that center position as they're in charge of a lot of the the protections and things like that. Um, I know they're very high on him, and and I think they uh, they feel like they've got a, a good shot at landing him this Friday. You you know it, it's crazy because I feel like for a while there he was kind of just in in you know behind the scenes he was a name of a guy who visited, but it felt like Miami was maybe keeping it under wraps a little bit right how uh, how heavy they were in their pursuit of him because, you know there were there were other guys mentioned right allow Salinen um, you know conversations about him um, you know so much on Samson Okunlola um, hmm. you know other other offensive linemen that that you know committed elsewhere or, or, or still haven't committed and and he was just kind of sitting in the background but they 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 really like him from what I understand yeah they they love him um I think you know just all the other big names out there he's kind of got lost in the shuffle and then he's also another you know a kid that's played it um pretty close to the vest he hasn't done a ton of interviews uh he hasn't been you know all over social media like a lot of these other guys um so it's just been a combination of things that have kind of kept things a little bit quieter around his recruitment um but I mean Two four seven has him as a top fourteen interior offensive lineman. Um, like I said, uh, Miami coaches, a lot of people I know um, that are just uh, you know analysts and stuff like that in the recruiting world think he's definitely one of the top centers in the country. Um, so his his recruitment's kind of stayed under wraps a little bit, but they've uh, they've just kind of stayed on him consistently the whole time, and I think they feel it's gonna gonna pay off at the end of this week. Yeah, and and of course you've mentioned other guys that they're after the kid out of uh, Hawaii whose name I, I cannot pronounce either. Um, <laughs> he he's he's on the radar. Obviously, we mentioned Samson Okunlola. I talked about Monroe Freeling, uh, another offensive tackle. Um, you know that that Miami is is still pursuing and won't make up his mind. I guess until after the season or or in starts. You know the regular season, he wants to come down and see Miami, Florida. So, I mean, this would be commitment number five on the offensive line. And I've heard that, you know, probably six at, at most is, is what they would take. Um, do you think that means that maybe somebody gets bounced out of the commitment? You know, like some of the lower end guys, a Kinsler or a Tinelau, who, who are not rated as high as some of these other players. Um, I, I could possibly see that. I could also see them taking six, maybe seven at most, depending upon who wants in. Um, I think if uh, if Samson commits, which I think they still feel good about. I know he was uh, actually wanted to make it down here for the barbecue things. So ended up not 
going mm-hmm. through with that, but he was trying to get down here. Um, if they get him and then Freeling, um, I think they might take seven. I know they like a lot of the guys that are in the class right now. Um, they, they're very high on, you know, Tinalau, who's, you know, even though he's a lower ranked guy. Um, so I think if, if Freeling and Samson both wanted in, um, I think I could see them taking seven in that case. Wow. That's, that would be amazing. And, and I looked, uh, I, I, we discussed this in one of the previous pods, but, you know, I looked up, uh, the most, uh, you know, loaded sort of offensive line classes of all time. And, you know, Texas, Alabama are up there. Texas last year took seven. Mm-hmm. uh lineman and it's just kind of rare to see that i think most schools will take four or five a year but seven would be uh kind of unprecedented for miami i don't think they've ever taken that many yeah uh, i mean but- i think they they kind of want to rebuild that room completely from the ground up um i know um you know obviously has been far from the strength of the team the last couple of years um and they're losing a lot of older guys after this year too so i think they wanted to bring in a large class just kind of rebuild that room right away uh, so I, I think they're they're going to take a, a big group of offensive linemen. Yeah. Um, all right. So he he most likely will end up committing to Miami tomorrow. We feel good about that. Uh, mm-hmm. That would be commitment number 17. And right now they're the, the ninth ranked class. Um, but, you know, there's been some interesting conversations about other guys uh, potentially joining this class. And one of them was the John uh, Johnson, who I got. I know he was with you guys with the South Florida Express. I was out in in. Uh, Las Vegas with you guys for the tournament and he was there, um, you know, and he was committed to Ohio state, but there were things that changed in his life that I guess make him want to stay a little bit closer to home now. Um, and, you know, it, it, it appeared that this is going to be another, you know, Canes Gators battle. And, and uh, there were rumors always, you know, he's going to come down visit Miami after he visits Florida with Friday night lights. Uh, and then he never ends up making the trip down. What, what can you tell us about Dijon? Because he's a top 100 player and, and an elite cornerback. Um, yeah, I mean, just off the bat, Dijon is, like you said, an elite, elite cornerback. Um, definitely one of the uh, the best players we had on our uh, Vegas roster, which was absolutely loaded with four and five star talent. Um, and he's a guy that's kind of gone back and forth. It seemed like uh, for a while, Miami was in a really good shape there. Um, then he did go to Friday Night Lights at, at UF. Um, and uh, they convinced him to stay the next day and not come down to Miami. And uh, everyone at UF thought it was kind of over then that he was going to commit either that Sunday or that Monday. And it never happened. And it seems like he's kind of maybe taking a step back. He's going to take some visits and stuff there. Uh, and I think that bodes well for UM. Um, if if he had made that commitment Sunday or Monday right there, it definitely would have been to UF. Uh, but I think if he does, you know, end up coming down here to UM over the next couple of weeks, I think Miami will feel pretty good about that once they get him on campus. Um, so we'll see if he does. The longer he continues to, to drag it out and, and take some visits, um, especially if he does make it down here to, to Coral Gables, uh, I think that puts him in a better position with him. I uh, know UF is is definitely not nearly as confident as if he would have gone ahead and, and pulled the trigger and committed that uh, that weekend when they had him up there in Gainesville. Yeah, and and you know what's interesting is that it seems like everybody was ready to just you know announce that it was going to happen that it was a done deal. I mean, I think Rivals posted a story, yeah, uh, saying you know he had committed to Florida, and then I guess he he must have just said no, right? I mean, he must have stepped back from that decision. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, everyone there thought it was a done deal that he was going to announce it either that Sunday or that Monday. Like you said, Rivals even ran a full story on it. They uh, sent out the tweet. They deleted the tweet and then ended up leaving the story up for a while later, longer. Um, and then it just kind of never happened. Um, and I think he decided to just kind of take a step back, you know, reevaluate his options, take some more visits. Uh, and I think that's definitely a positive for Miami. Um, obviously, if he would have committed that Sunday or Monday without making it down here, it would have been DUF. Uh, so I think him him taking a step back and, and hopefully getting down here uh, to Gables would be a, a big win for them 
Yeah, so the longer he holds off, the better it stands for Miami, who, by the way, is also still on uh, Damari Brown, uh, and another guy who's part of that South Florida Express team out of Plantation American Heritage. Uh, cornerback, I would say, is still a position that they're they're obviously looking to address. Um, uh, you know, and and we'll see where if they can get Dijon and Damari. I mean, that would be one hell. I mean, that'd be three really good cornerbacks. Yeah. Uh, with the kid that they have out of Melbourne, um, who, who's Robert also, Stafford. Yeah, Robert Stafford is also a, a four-star, you know, kind of elite, um, uh, you know, cover guy. So uh, we'll see how how that sort of progresses. I'd say another area they're still focusing on, and you and I have talked obviously a lot off off air, um, is receiver because while they they're happy, you know, with Nathaniel Joseph and Robbie Washington, two guys that project as slot receivers at the next level, they're still looking for that outside guy. What's some of the latest, maybe Andrew, you can tell us on on their pursuit of receiver. So they're really circling back at pretty much any big name receiver that there is. Um, they're going all out. They want to get, um, you know, that high four or five star guy, at least one, possibly two of them in this class at that receiver position. Um, and Rashad has been a, a huge part of that. Obviously, Miami's uh, quarterback commit in this class. He has been um, just recruiting nonstop. He's been in, in everyone's ear. Um, even guys like Carnell Tate and Brandon Innes that are committed to uh, Ohio State at IMG. Um, and Brandon at American Heritage. Um, Rashad has been in their ear constantly. Um, Carnell was actually saying at IMG's uh, media day that that Rashad has been talking to them nonstop, trying to get them to visit. So they've been talking about it. Um, those are obviously very long shots, but um, I think, um, you know, some more possible guys, Hakeem Williams, he's been on. I still think they're in the picture there. Um, and then uh, Jerion Dickey is, is another uh, big name that we've seen, you know, pop up a lot this last week or so. Uh, he's been in Miami. Uh, I think he just left last night. He was in Miami for almost a week, um, was fishing, meeting the mayor of Coral Gables, meeting the mayor of Miami, um, just kind of experiencing everything there is down here. Um, also made it to the barbecue on, on Saturday, which was big. Uh, and then uh, he's, you know, the number, I think he's number three receiver in the country right now. He's currently committed to Oregon, but he's been down here a couple of times, played with the Miami Immortals. So he was down here for different events with them. Um, was on that seven on seven team with Rashado. So Rashado's on him hard. Um, so I think Jerion Dickey's a name that uh, they're definitely looking to flip for Morgan and possibly be that uh, that five star big time outside target that they're they're looking for in this class. Yeah, and and here's one thing I'll say about all that is you know when you when you come to Miami, listen, a lot of people love the vacation in Miami, right? Mm-hmm. But you come with your whole family, you spend a week here. Kind of like you're testing out do I, what I want to live here type of deal. Is this is this paradise to live in? Maybe that's uh, the sense I get from from this whole deal. Yeah, I mean, it definitely seems like a positive thing. He came with with his mom, with his siblings, everything like that. He's a huge a huge into fishing, um, so he was down here fishing the whole time. Um, obviously, that's a huge plus. He was out here on uh, you know on boats fishing one day, fishing just in different lakes and canals for like peacock bass and stuff another day. Um, so, I mean, you're not going to find a, a better, uh, more diverse fishing spot than down here in South Florida. And, and that's something that is a, you know, a really big deal to him. He probably, um, you know, cares more about fishing than football, honestly, like fishing is his passion. He's an incredible football player where, uh, you know, works his, his butt off in football. That's not a knock on that, but fishing is just something he really, really loves. And if, and it's, it's going to play a part in his recruitment. Wow. And, and uh, I, I guess I had heard, uh, I know the two four seven guys were were mentioning this, um, and you and I we weren't out there. You were working. What were you doing Sunday? You were you were working, weren't you? Yeah. And and I and I was here at home. I had family over, um, visiting, and so I I didn't go down to 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 the barbecue. But I had heard they had left out fishing poles, you know, for these guys at the at Lake Osceola or something. 
Exactly. Yeah. So where, where there's the bridge that walks across, there's uh they had left out some fishing poles there mm-hmm. and, uh, and he was there fishing. Um, and some of the other guys too were, were, you know, enjoying that fish on the lake, which, um, you know, just, uh, some more attention to detail that, that Mario puts into recruiting. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, it just shows you again, what, what they're all about, um, is making these guys, you know, every need that they have, uh, sort of fulfilling that. Um, so that's, that's the receiver position. And I guess we'll see going forward. Uh, you know, one other guy I want to throw out there, William Fowles, cause the former Dade Christian, uh, four-star receiver. I guess he's at avant-garde, which I've yet to be, you know, I've never been to avant-garde. I don't know how long it's uh, been around as a building, as a school. Mm-hmm. I guess it's a new <laughs> school, but um, just curious about him and, and um, you know, what's sort of the latest because people have always thought, well, maybe Miami will offer him or give him the green light to commit. Uh, what's kind of the, the situation with Fowles? Um, I think he wants to be at Miami. Um, I think we've seen just through social media posts. He's been down there a couple of times. Like he, he wants to end up there. Um, but I think right now they just have some, uh, some guys higher on their board. Um, especially, you know, just some of the guys you mentioned there, they're really, you know, they want to land that big five-star name at that receiver position. So I think right now they, they have a couple of guys higher than him. Um, so at the moment, I don't see him in this class. Obviously, things could change if, if they miss on a couple of those guys or he really impresses them in a workout or in this upcoming season that, you know, they might, uh, you know, give him the green light and circle back and see if they can get him in this class. Uh, but right now, I do think they have some guys higher on him, higher, higher than him on their their board that they're looking at. I mean, it feels like a different world we're talking about, right? With recruiting that they can yeah. put a kid like William Files, who's, you know, a top 300, 400 player in the country, a four-star kid, and just say, hey, we got bigger, bigger fish we're after, so to speak, yeah. you know, and, yeah. and, and, and to feel confident that if you wanted to go back and get them, you probably could. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's, it's definitely a whole new, uh, whole new recruiting world <laughs> with, uh, with Mario here compared to some of those last staffs. Um, all right. Let's talk a little bit about the barbecue and maybe some other positions here that Miami wants to address. Um, you know, they've got one defensive end right now committed one defensive lineman, obviously in Jaden Wayne, who's, Former five star, he should be a four. He should still be a five star, but they've got him as a four star now in the composite rankings. Um, you know, that's their one defensive lineman, but they're in on a lot of different kids, and there were some good defensive linemen down here. I know um, for the barbecue. What are you hearing on that front? They are pushing really hard. Same thing to get a couple five star defensive ends in this class um, to to join Jaden Wayne. Um, I know they are very very high on uh, Damon Wilson, who's been. Um, out of Venice, right? Uh, correct, out of Venice. He's been uh, a very fast riser in the uh, the rankings. Um, I think he's up to like a top 30 player last I saw. Or he's actually up 247's composite, has him all the way up to the top five now. Wow. Um, the edge out of Venice. Uh, and he's a kid that's just shot up the boards. Um, they're hard after him. He's definitely one of the kids that got the most attention um, at that barbecue. And then uh, Samuel and Pemba from IMG. Um, IMG had a, a massive amount of kids that made it down here for the barbecue. A lot of the, the top 23 and top 24 guys um, to the point where they were kind of scrambling to, to get rides to make sure everyone could get down here that wanted to get down here. Um, and he was one of those guys that came down. Um, it seems like it's going to be a Miami-Georgia battle for him. He's another kid that's a, a big five-star defensive end. Um, so I think those are their, their two main targets. Um, if you even get one of those to, to pair with Jaden Wayne, that's that's two of the top five, two of the top six defensive ends in the country. Um, so I think that's a really nice haul there at that position. Um, and then just on the uh, you know the interior defensive line, there's there's a couple guys that they're, they're still working. Um, 
David Hicks, you know, they're, I think they're still trying to, to make some some moves there. The, the number one defensive tackle in the country. Um, he was down here for the spring game. He was a former Texas A&M commit. Um, so I think they're, they're you know, trying to get a feel there, see if, if he's still someone that's that they can get interested in come down here. Um, Jordan Hall from Jacksonville is another one that they're, um, you know, kind of talking to as well. Um, it seems like some of the guys left on the defensive line board are kind of playing the the long game with their recruiting. Um, so I don't in, it, um, expect any decisions or anything there, but they're definitely, um, you know, still in it and still on for some, uh, some top names at both the defensive end and the defense tackle position. Um, but it seems like all the guys that they're really involved with, they're kind of playing that, uh, that long recruiting game. I don't expect to see any decisions until maybe um, towards the middle of the year, later part of the uh, the year. Yeah, that'll be one I think that goes up right until the end, and and so that'll be interesting to watch. Um, but you know that I would say cornerback, receiver, defensive line, still areas to address as as the season and and camp sort of gets gets rolling here. Um, you mentioned all the IMG kids; it's kind of unique situation there. I think Mario uh, likes the fact that a lot of these elite kids, the Riley Williams of the world, the Jaden Waynes have uh, have gone down there. He's obviously got Maui Goa there. Um, I know IMG had their own, you know, sort of media day slash, you know, activity camp, whatever, a couple weekends ago. Um, and and there could potentially be more from what we've heard, right? Some of these rumors that there could be yep. more guys uh, who Miami is after transferring there. It just the IMG situation in general, uh, knowing the recruiting game, getting the inroads there, uh, Andrew, what, what's your opinion on that? And, and sort of the setup that Miami has now where they're getting a lot of these IMG guys. I mean, it, it's it's massive to have that connection with them. I mean, obviously, IMG's putting out you know three, four, five, um, you know, five star ga- guys every year now. It seems um, plus you know a whole bunch of just top power five guys um, every year. So to be able to to build that relationship with them and use that to your advantage, the fact that they're you know only three four hours away, um, obviously is huge. Mario seems to have a really good relationship with a lot of coaches and the staff there. Um, they went out and got Francis Malvigo, the top ranked player at that school, um, which is just something that that hasn't happened. The top ranked kid at IMG has always gone to the Alabamas or the Georgias or, you know, where schools like that. Um, so to go out and get him, you get Jaden Wayne, um, you know, they're, they're really doing some good work at IMG building that pipeline. And I, I think in the next coming weeks, we're going to see um, some more Miami targets transfer there and possibly even uh, one or two current commits as well. Um, so they're, they're really going to continue to, to build that, uh, that pipeline with IMG, continue to increase those relationships. Um, and I think Mario's really capital, you know, capitalizing on, on having it right down the road. Yeah. Within, within a three, three and a half hour drive from, from the, uh, Bradenton slash Tampa area there on the West coast of Florida. Mm-hmm. Um, Andrew, uh, Miami got a kicker in the 2024 class. I know, I feel like every time we talk about 2024, it's like, <laughs> man, so, so far away, but he is the top ranked kicker. So that is a nice pickup. I want to ask you in general about the 2024 class because they've got essentially two commitments now: the kicker and Antoine Jackson uh, out of Dillard, who's one of the elite, um, you know, cornerbacks in the country. Um, you're part of the SFE program. There's some elite 2024 guys. Yes, obviously Miami, <laughs> Miami's after in, in JoJo Trader and, and Jeremiah Smith. Um, just curious, chatter on 2024 guys. Any other potential commitments here? I know we're more than a year away, but anything on the 24 class that you're hearing? Um, I, I still think it's it's a while away for a lot of those guys. Um, I don't see any commitments imminent, um, but I know Miami is doing 
a really good job on on just getting on those guys already. Um, I know, I think Mario mentioned that it was at media day or saw a quote from him recently um, saying that he still feels that they're, you know, a year, year and a half away um, from really having those relationships and those inroads with the local schools and local coaches and everything like that, that they want to. Um, so I think given another year to, to build those relationships and everything like that, um, you're going to see some really special uh, commits coming out of that 24 class from down here. I think that could be really the first class that you see where they start to lock down this, this Dade Broward Palm beach area. Um, and it would be an incredible class to start doing it because like you said, guys like Jojo trader, Jeremiah Smith, um, there's a lot of really high, um, the five, five star linebacker, um, believe that Columbus as well. Uh, there's, there's some really high quality 2024 guys down here. And I think, uh, given a whole nother year for my, for Mario to build those connections and, and those relationships. Um, I think that could be a really special group. Um, Rod Mack, who's, who's one of our coaches, that's a fee. Um, he's been with a big part of that group in his purple machine, um, youth team coming up in that 24 class with, with a, a large part of those top 24 guys. Um, and, and he said, you know, he think that's, he's said it multiple times just around SFE stuff that he thinks that's a group that can bring a school, a national championship. Wow. Um, so if, and a lot of them have played together growing up, you know, a lot of them transferred uh, to Shamanad together now, or played together at different high schools um, or seven on seven teams. So it seems like it's a lot of kids that want to stick together. So if, if Miami can, can hammer it home and, and bring home that group of kids, um, I think it's definitely a top class in the country, top three class in the country. Um, and definitely sets you up for, for some incredible success going forward. Um, but a lot of it just, you know, like everything else in recruiting is going to come down to how they look on the field this year. And next year, if you come out, you win nine, 10 games, you are in the ACC championship. Um, you know, you kind of give these kids a, a little bit of a glimpse of, of what this program is going to look like going forward, how they're going to improve under Cristobal. Um, I think it puts you in a really, really good position to to really um, keep a lot of those top twenty four kids home. And I think uh, I agree with Rod Mack. That's that's the kind of kids and that that group of South Florida kids in twenty four um, is, is the kind that uh, can win a school a national championship. And, and the kind of kids that we've seen going to help Bama win national championships or Georgia win national championships. Uh, so I think if you put together a solid season, coupled with what Mario's been able to kind of build already with the relationships in that twenty four class. Uh, if if you keep those kids home, I think it really sets you up for to be one of the, one of the top teams consistently in the playoff going forward. Yeah, and uh, yeah, I've heard a lot of positive things from the twenty four kids, but they all want to see it on the field. They all want to see how this team does because uh, it's it's a lot of talk until until the W's and L's start lining up there. Um, one other thing, I, I asked Mario during the press conference um, about visits because we have all these commitments, right? Miami has all these commitments right now. Um, 16 kids, potentially 17 after tomorrow. But we know how this works. The kids come in the summertime, then they get to November, December, and, oh, I want to take another trip, right? I want to take mm-hmm. another visit. I want to see this campus. And he didn't – He didn't. Spell, I asked him, what's your philosophy when that happens? And he didn't want to get – he didn't want to share that philosophy. But essentially what he said was, look, when you commit to Miami, um, and, and this is something he learned from Jimmy Johnson, you, you have to recruit for Miami. Right. Like yep. that's that's how they tell how firm your commitment really is. And it, you mentioned Jaden Rashada recruiting. We've seen Francis Maui Goa sort of outspoken about trying to get guys to come to Miami. Um, I, I guess in your opinion, hearing Mario's answer to that question and what I just told you, is if you had to say, hmm, maybe this is somebody who decommits from Miami's class uh, of the 16 commitments. Do you have a name? Do you have a guy you're nervous about because of? You know, maybe they really are looking at the on-field results, and and that's what's going to matter most to them in the end. 
Um, I know I'm putting you on the spot. It's not an easy I question. I don't think I have a name that would decommit for those purposes. Um, I think everyone that they've gotten is pretty locked in. I think um, just between the early signing day, between um, the way NIL has changed everything, I think we're seeing you know a lot more early commits and a lot of these kids sticking. I think you're going to see less decommits this cycle. Mm-hmm. Um, I think if there were to be some kids to decommit, it could possibly be um, kids that are just... Um, looking for a better opportunity elsewhere just due to um, either, like you said, if they're possibly, if they push out one of the lower ranked offensive linemen. Um, I know Emery Williams is saying all the right stuff right now, but if he were to go get that big offer to be the top quarterback in another team's class, um, you know, if he would take that and possibly leave compared to, to being, you know, here behind Rashada um, or maybe one of the the lower ranked of the three tight ends that we have committed um, right now with the uh, Reed McKesha, uh, Jackson Carver, um, and Riley Williams, I think if uh, may see uh, someone like Makesha um, leave. Uh, so I don't think it's necessarily anyone that would be, you know, a top target that gets flipped at the end or anything like that. Um, but I think there there could be some kids, you know, just seeing that they're second, third at their position in this class um, that could, you know, look around as we get later and closer to signing day. I uh, recruiting never stops, right? So I'm, I'm looking yeah. at my text message threads, and I and I get texted throughout the day by different people who have different connections. And so apparently, uh, Jaden Bonsu, uh, the uh, safety that Miami's been uh, hoping to get a commitment from out of New Jersey, four star kid. Uh, there's a crystal ball put in for Ohio State, um, yeah. Just recently, um, what's the thought process on him before we let you go? So I know when his original recruitment date was set, Miami felt really confident there. Um, he's pushed things back. Well, he moved it up and then he pushed it back and then he pushed it back again. Um, so we're on like the fourth commitment date. Uh, I think the last one they felt pretty confident on. Um, they This one, there there definitely seems to be some more Ohio State momentum. Um, I think he's planning on committing around mid late, late August. I think it's like around the 16th or 20th now. Um, so I, I think Ohio State, probably has the momentum right now. Um, we saw those crystal balls coming recently. Um, well, they, they his, missed out on a safety or, I mean, besides having Dijon decommit from them, they also had a safety. I think they were hoping to get that they didn't land. So maybe this is yep, their second down that went to, uh, to Bama. Right. Um, so I think they may have really turned up the heat on him and, and possibly, you know, swung things their way here. Um, but this recruitment has been so back and forth over the last month that really nothing would surprise me in, in the next two to three weeks before he commits. What would be Miami's backup plan uh, for safety? Because obviously, I know um, they wanted the uh, the other kid who committed uh, to Georgia, Chanel uh, Aguero. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, is what would you think, uh, or, or maybe some of the backup plans for safety, if they're unable to get a Bonsu into this class? Uh, I think they'd have to really kind of take a step back and, and reset the board there. Um, that would be, you know, two or three of their top targets that they they missed out there at that safety position. Um, I'm not sure if you try to circle back on someone like a, a King Mac at, at St. Thomas, who's committed to Penn state right now. Um, Conrad Hussey, Conrad Hussey as well at that mm-hmm. same, at, uh, you know, at St. Thomas as well. Um, so I think or even a four-star kid like, like Damon Fagan, um, who they didn't really press for, but he's committed to, to NC state, um, mm-hmm. right now. So right. I think, um, you know, if they were to miss out on Bonzo, I think you kind of have to, to really kind of reset the board and, and maybe take a second look at some of those, uh, local guys that didn't necessarily, didn't necessarily uh, push for quite as hard early on. Well, the good thing about the safety position is Avante Williams is the only safety on the roster who could go to the NFL early at this point. Uh, mm-hmm. You still have James Williams and Cam Kitchens for 
at least another year after this because you can't go until after your third year. Vontae is entering his third year. So, uh, you know, as far as immediate need, hey, they need a safety, uh, it's not like it's an overwhelming pressing need. And and my thought would be James Williams and Cam Kitchens aren't going anywhere. They're going to be a big part of this defense this year. So, uh, but we'll see. It, it, interesting, the world of recruiting, always changing. Andrew, I appreciate you coming on, man, and, and, and talking um, with us. Uh, I guess I'll I'll give you this one on the way out. What's the biggest storyline you're watching for in camp here? What 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 draws your most interest here as as camp gets underway? The biggest question for you. Uh, I think two things. I want to see the offensive line how they improve under Maribel, um, and then that wide receiver group. I want to see um, who steps on up on the outside. I think uh, we've got some solid slot guys between Restrepo, Brashad Smith. Um, but I want to see who really takes that next step on the outside. If it's going to be Jacoby George, Romello Brinson, Keyshawn Smith, um, Colby Young, who who just transferred in, who's um, massive. This he looks like a defensive end walking around out there. Um, so uh, I think I just want to kind of see who separates themselves as, as those top outside wide receivers over these next few weeks. Completely agree. Good talking to you, Andrew. Got to get you on again soon. Sounds good. Anytime. Oh.